literary fans and welcome to episode 18 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host Jeff and today we're going to be reading chapter 18 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to contact me here at the podcast, uh, you can always go to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's a few ways to contact me right there on that page. And I'll go over those in detail towards the end. So today I am recording and it is December 2nd. So all those people who are also trying to write a book in a month, it looks like you're done. Because National Novel Writing Month ended Saturday, which is actually a good day for it to end on. Beats like a Tuesday or something. Gives you a little, you can, you know, bail on the whole day and just finish that damn book. But... Everything's done now, so hopefully some of you got to your 50,000 words. It's quite an achievement. I don't know what the prizes are this year, but uh, nothing's more fun than having a print copy of your creation. And even when it stinks, it's funny. So go ahead and get a copy. It's a hoot. Anyway, um, I don't have too much to start with today, so uh, why don't we dive into a little bit of feedback Uh, We did get some uh, answers to our discussion questions from episode 17 from none other than the lovely Laura, right? That is my wife who was on episode 15? 16? I don't know. Whatever. She was on one of them. Anyway, uh, so what do we have? Uh, The first question from uh, episode 17, if you'll recall, our heroes had to walk through like a whole bunch of freaking doors. It was very odd, and some of them were, like, institutionally labeled. It was very silly. It was it was annoying. So, first question was, how many doors did our heroes walk through? How many doors? Uh, my lovely wife says eight. Do I sound confident? So, eight, good guess. It appears to be wrong. I went back through the chapter, and it looks like they walked through six doors. So, if you were keeping track at home... Oh, and if I'm completely wrong, go ahead and feel free to buy the book, go to epi- or chapter 17, and count the doors yourself. I won't hold that against you if you send me a corrected door count for that chapter, but I believe it's six. Yes. Uh, second question. Um, I think the second question was something about... Let's see. I'll look. I'll look. I probably don't have it written down, right? Uh, oh. What's with all the institutional doors? That's what I thought I asked, right? So my lovely wife responds, The temple is subject to fire and safety codes. Was there an accessible entrance to? Good question. So there probably had to be a ramp somewhere, right? In case somebody was in a wheelchair. But uh, yeah, subject to fire codes. You got to label those doors appropriately. I wonder if they have magic exit signs in the world of magic. Hmm? I would think they would, right? I kind of want the world of magic to be just the same as the world of science, right? Which is like here, only magic instead of science. Does that make sense? So you're not going without or anything like that. Although uh, apparently all they can make for dinner is stew. So let's see. Hmm. Third question. Oh, what's the deal with Stephen, huh? Okay. So, Laura says, I'm starting to think Stephen is a mole. I had confidence in him as for at first as a nice hunky, and then in parentheses, and brain hunky fellow. 
but he knows too much about the castle. Mm, yes, that is much of a uh, quandary, isn't it? Well, I got big news for you. Today, we are going to read chapter 18. So, uh, chapter 18 comes in at about nine pages, so a little bit lengthy, but not our longest by a long shot. That's long a lot, right? Oof, that, okay. It's, I sound like I'm writing a book. All right. Uh, it is an exciting chapter, but there's a big reveal right at the end. So I had to go look at what happens in this chapter, and I am excited to read this to you guys. I think you're going to be really thrilled, right? I mean, this is a pretty weak plot in this book, so you got to hope for some of the excitement. You know what I mean? So we'll see how this goes. I think this will be a fun chapter to get through. Uh, I don't have too much else today. Uh, you know, we're coming up on December, so... Uh, what are we at? We're, this is episode 18, so I would have 19, 20, 21, 22. Yes, I just counted with my fingers. The live audience could see. Uh, and then we'll have an epilogue. Maybe we'll split the epilogue into a separate, uh, episode. I think that makes sense. So we'll say we got five episodes left. So that means I really actually have to plan ahead for Christmas here and make sure I have an episode ready to go. That'll be tricky, but uh, I'll just have to record two that week before Christmas because I'm not going to be at home. I'm going to visit the uh, parents, so and I don't want to have to do a podcast at their house because they don't know about this. I don't think, but uh, yeah, it, that would take some explaining. You know what I mean? But anyway, uh, it, it's coming in pretty quick, the end of this podcast. We might have to do another book because this is way too much fun, don't you think? I don't know how many... F- people listen to this, but I hope it's a non-zero amount of people, you know? Anyway, uh, with that, I don't see any reason to delay any further because I'm just prattling on about nothing, but let's dive on in to chapter 18. So for today's episode, I'm going to be sipping on some Pike Creek Canadian whiskey. I found this at the uh, liquor store. I got a little excited because I'm actually not sure where it's from in the first place. But it is. it says it's 10-year-old Canadian whiskey. And my favorite part of this is it doesn't have any mention of blended. So that's usually the problem with Canadian whiskeys is they're blended. I don't know. Eh, blended whiskey's fine if it doesn't suck, but blended whiskey can suck real easily. Just try drinking... Uh, well, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean. You want to stick with whiskey that's not blended. So this one is pretty delicious. I have to admit, like a lot of the Canadian whiskeys, I once had um, Wayne Gretzky Canadian whiskey up in Canada, and that was very similar to this. It's a little bit, I think they finish it in wine barrels. This one says it's finished in rum barrels, and it's tasty. A little bit, you can taste a little bit of the sweetness, but it's a pretty, pretty smooth drinker. Uh, but I bought it on a whim at the liquor store because I'm a big Canada fan, and uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with that decision. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. All right, let's dive in to this chapter, huh? Margot turned the corner to follow Aaron and Stephen. All right, if you'll recall, Henry told Margot to run off with Aaron and Stephen in search of something, the Dark Stone, I guess. Let's who knows. Um, and, uh, he was going to stand and fight. So we'll have to see what happens here. I hope they're not separated for good. <gasps> Margot turned the corner to follow Aaron and Stephen. They were a handful of strides away from her as she rounded the wall's edge. Just after she took her first step down the hallway, she heard the fighting behind her begin. Stephen and Aaron stopped and turned, 
but Margot continued to run towards them. "'Where's the room?' she asked frantically. "'Next door on the right,' Stephen responded, continuing down the hallway and eerily knowing where everything is. I mean, come on. "'Stop right there!' a yell from in front of them sounded. All three froze, staring at three approaching mages." Next door on the right, she asked quietly. Next door on the right, she asked quietly. Stephen nodded without turning to look at her. Keep Aaron close, do you understand? Now duck! As Stephen and Her- Aaron, Stephen and Aaron, <laughs> Stephen and Aaron dropped to the floor, Margot waved her hands, creating a dense smoke in front of her. With one forward motion, she sent the smoke forward, instantly filling the hallway. As the far end of the hallway disappeared from sight, an energy bolt appeared in front of her moving fast. It struck her in the chest, knocking her down and sending her sliding back to the bend in the hall. Oh man, Margot just took a hit. That's bad. She looked right as she sat up, trying to regain her breath. Henry was standing in the hallway, fighting one remaining mage. A pile of red cloaks on the ground at the far end of the hallway showed that he had been successful thus far. As she looked up, Henry turned and saw her struggling. He sent a fierce fire down the hall at the remaining mage and ran to help, ran to Margot. Are you all right? He asked, wrapping an arm around her. Her, her, we're going to find out her back to hold her up. She finally caught her breath and nodded in the affirmative. Again, Can't we just say she nodded? (laughs) Are you okay? She managed. He laughed quietly. I'm fine. Where are the other two? She pointed down the smoke-filled hallway. Second door on the right. Steven's with her. They're both fine. They were both fine. This plan doesn't seem to be... God damn it. All right. I'm having a little trouble reading. Let me just slow down. This plan doesn't quite seem to be working out. Am I right? He said, smiling. Ooh, he... With a capital H, apparently Henry is God now. (laughs) Oh, Henry, they never do, Margot laughed. Henry leaned in and kissed Margot. She felt her strength return as soon as she felt his lips against hers. Aww! She threw her right arm around his neck to prolong the moment. Henry eventually leaned back slowly. We need to go, he said gently. Margot began helping herself up, and Henry aided her. I think we can circle around the courtyard, enter from the other side, she explained, pointing towards the pile of red cloaks. Sounds like a good plan, Henry said. Drinking break! Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is tasty, tasty whiskey. Whiskey without an E in it. Yes, yes. That's only American whiskey where they add the E. Mm. I think that's what I read. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Stephen slammed the glass and iron door shut as soon as Aaron crossed into the covered courtyard. Aaron was immediately struck by the stench. She had expected a perfectly maintained garden fit for a king. Instead, her eyes fell upon a room full of the black mud of the blight, with a carefully constructed elevated walkway leading to a gazebo in the center of the massive room. What happened? Stephen gasped. Oh, that smell is going to make me puke, Aaron exclaimed. She tried hard to subdue her urge to dry heave. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) 
Let's check the gazebo, Steven suggested. The faster we can get out of here, the better. The pair carefully strode on the recently constructed walkway towards the gazebo. The mud below them seemed to bubble and move, though no monsters seemed to climb from within, like during Eren's first encounter with the Blight. Remember at the temple, folks? Remember? It was an early chapter. Jeez. The stone walls were covered with dead ivy and a black mold that seemed to be an extension of the dark mud itself. The glass ceiling was obscured by a fog caught in the enclosed space. Both hurried towards the gazebo in the center of the courtyard, rushing to finish their business and escape to fresh air. The gazebo they arrived at was constructed of carved marble. Erin had originally assumed it was wood, like any other similar structure she had seen before. However, this one seemed to have been carved from a single massive slab of rock. That is, a whole gazebo from a single piece of rock? That's impressive. And how do you move something that heavy, am I right? Oh my gosh. I'm so inventive, huh, with these settings. She could see no sign of seam or mortar anywhere. Oh, yeah, so it's the single piece of rock. I I see what she's saying. Okay. I kind of, when I thought about... Well, all right, I'll save this. (laughs) This should be for the outro. I should be talking about gazebo. Let me make a note. I was going to say this courtyard thing where it came from. You know what I mean? Courtyard. All right, let's see. Under the stone roof in the center of the gazebo sat a pedestal. Six black tubes ran from a thick glass dome on the pedestal down to the floor and out into the mud, creating a star pattern. The tables and chairs sat around the pedestal, including odd-looking instruments that almost had the look of torture or medical implements. Aaron shuddered at the scene. Stephen walked directly to the pedestal to examine the glass dome. Aaron, he called, pointing. When she looked in the dome, she saw a large black crystal that looked identical, except in color, to the one that hung around her neck. The coloring was almost difficult to conceive, as it was pure black, but retained a shimmer similar to obsidian. The crystal was suspended inside the dome by by small metal clips, and the dome itself was screwed down into a large metallic base, into which all the various tubes, both large and small, connected. What is all this? Stephen asked. Aaron shrugged, for she had no familiarity with such work. <laughs> I love when I use four as like a compound sentence, like a thingamajigger. What do they call those? Conjunction? I think it's conjunction. I, it just sounds so pretentious, but I use it a lot. It's more fun. It looks like they're using it to do something with the ground, she said. Thanks, Aaron. Wow, that was bright. I guess it has something to do with the blight. Look, the hoses run in all directions and into the mud. And these little hoses also come out. Maybe it pulls magic from the earth or something. Without hesitating, Aaron walked over and began unscrewing the dome. At first, it seemed like it wouldn't budge, but finally the giant threads unstuck and the dome turned. When it was clearly unscrewed, she lifted the dome carefully and placed it on a chair next to the pedestal. Do you think the pedestal chairs are made out of marble, too? That would be wicked uncomfortable. I'm going to say wicker, because it's a gazebo. Yeah, let's go wicker. Yeah, I I know one listener who's going to like that I said it's a wicker chair, huh? 
All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. When did a pedestal? She reached in and picked up the crystal, which felt cold in her fingers. Do you think we can fix the blight? Stephen asked. How? Aaron responded. Well, we could put the light in its place. Maybe it would reverse things. No closing quote. We'll see how this goes. Oh, typo. Yep, that should have a closing quote. I don't think so. We don't know how any of this works. We should just leave with it and find someone later who can help. Let's get out of here. Wait, Stephen said before Aaron could turn to leave. He walked to the table and picked up a small black object that he couldn't identify. Walking back to the pedestal, he placed it in the cliffs and replaced the glass dome. Clever, Aaron smiled and grabbed his arm, pulling him towards another elevated path, leading to an exit across the room. Drinking break! Ooh, a little whiskey. I've been just handling this glass this whole time. Mm. All right. Before I continue, what the hell, Jeff? Picked up a small black object that he couldn't identify? What the hell kind of description is that? Like, I was not feeling creative that day. Huh? I'm like, uh, what could he put in there? Uh, how about I don't care and it's just something black? Uh, yeah. So we have no idea what it is. Should that be a discussion question? I'm more irritated than anything because that's garbage writing. Like, ah, uh, you don't need to know what it is. We're just going to say it's just a thing. Ugh. So stupid. Ugh. Who wrote this garbage? All right. A little sippy again, huh? Ooh. I'm actually having fun with this chapter. I, I like these. These final chapters are pretty good, I think. In my opinion, you know. Ooh, here we go. Back to the other two. Margot and Henry hurried down a hallway, searching for another way into the courtyard. Henry was having difficulty trying to understand which way they were turning in the maze of hallways. Every time they turned left, he thought that they must be at the courtyard. But he was invariably disappointed. Do you even know where we are? Margot asked without malice. Do you even know where we are? Margot asked without malice. I think that sounded nicer, less accusatory. No, these hallways are all seem the same. We should have found the other side of the courtyard, I think, he replied as they ran. As they continued running, they crossed in front of a doorway from which a burst of energy shot out. Margot grabbed Henry's cloak and pulled him back just as the powerful shock flew across the hallway. Thanks, he whispered as commands were hollered from the room. What room? From what room? Ugh, okay. The pair of mages remained against the wall as footsteps could be heard. A mage suddenly turned the corner and found himself face to face with Henry. Henry's fist collided with the stunned man, and he fell to the floor. Wow, Henry, huh? It's not just magic. He's got a powerful upper body, it sounds like. Knock somebody out just like that. Peek <laughs> Peeking into the doorway, <laughs> Henry could see what appeared to be a large empty room. Peeking is misspelled. It is P-E-A-K-I-N-G. <laughs> God damn it. He waved to Margot and crept inside. Margot closed the door as she entered. Uh, just for all the listeners, we're not keeping track of doors this episode. <laughs> the lawn room featured columns rising above Henry and Margot, supporting the high ceiling. Henry quickly counted 16 doors on... <laughs> I just said, don't count the doors. 
And what do I have in the book? Henry's counting doors. <laughs> All right. Mm. Yeah, I'm having a sip. Sorry, sorry. Not a drinking break. All right, I'm going to start reading again. Henry quickly counted 16 doors on the sides of the room, leading to various unknown places. Murals along the wall were decidedly not original, as they mostly featured scenes of various magical acts. From the square columns hung narrow, long flaps depicting the M with a crow above it, the symbol of the magistrates. Nobody else appeared to be in the room, which seemed an important one. The pair moved to the walls on their left side and examined the first door. It was emblazoned with a plaque and name, neither of which Henry or Margot knew. These must be the offices of the magistrates, Henry guessed out loud. Where is everyone in that case? Margot asked. Well, it's still early. Maybe people haven't come in yet. Or maybe they have a meeting. Or they might have fled. I don't think they'd flee from us, Margot said. Regardless of what you think about yourself, you're not particularly dangerous. They both laughed softly as they crept along the far wall. Across the room, a door swung open, and a mage yelling at a subordinate appeared. Walking to a much larger door, centered against the wall opposite where they entered... Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm trying to describe scene, and this gets real clumsy. Do you remember... What was that scene that I tried to read? And it was just as, like, I don't know. There's a lot of this garbage in this book. All right. Across the room, a door swung open, and a mage yelling at a subordinate appeared. Walking to a much larger door centered against the wall opposite where they entered. Opposite of where they entered. Okay, so they entered this room with columns on one side. There's 16 doors along two of the sides, so... Opposite the side they entered from, there's another big door. Okay. Why the hell did I have to write this kind of detail? This is just mind-boggling. I don't think I read books where it explains it this way. I'm baffled. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. While not silent, the angry man across the room took no notice of the noise. Oh, sorry. Margot grabbed Henry's shoulder, and the pair shuffled behind one of the columns. While not silent, the angry man across the room took no notice of the noise. He's inept and should be, he should be punished. How'd anyone even get in here anyway? The man shouted. Ooh, that's exciting. Another door against the far wall opened and a mage emerged. The shouting man turned to him saying, have you heard what's been going on here? I know, I heard. Heads are going to roll, the new mage said. Four people just walking around the palace. Suddenly, the door Henry and Margot had entered through swung back open. A disheveled mage with a bloody nose stumbled in. <laughs> Which way did they go? He yelled to anyone who would listen. Margot quietly hid herself and Henry from view with the stealthiest spell she could muster as a reaction to the mage. That's the one um, he punched in the face, I'm guessing. Bloody nose. The other two mages across the room turned to look at the bloodied man. What? The two mages exclaimed. Another door against the wall closest to Henry and Margot opened. Oh my god. There's so many doors. Ugh, I should have made you people count doors. <laughs> Another door against the wall close to Henry and Margot opened. And an older man peered out. Across the room, more doors were opening. <laughs> Come on, Henry whispered, grabbing Margot's arm. 
He sprinted from the column back to the nearest door behind them and threw it open. Margot ran inside, and Henry closed the door behind him as he followed her. The two found themselves in an enormous office with a dark with dark wooden walls. Sorry, got to make sure there's no typo as I do a page turn. With dark wooden walls, bookcases, comfortable seating areas, and a giant desk at the far end. I love how in the world of magic they still have like pretentious offices and stuff like I guess, you know, office work has to get done, right? Yeah, somebody's got to sign requisitions and what? I don't know approve new programs and I, I guess whatever i don't know how government works it's like a mystery does anybody really though all right a small couch and an easy chair <laughs> were currently occupied by a soldier and another mage <laughs> an easy chair i'm not even sure what an easy chair is i'm thinking of like a lazy boy I guess they got lazy boys in the world of magic. You know what? You you probably could. That's all mechanical. If you don't get the electric version, that's just mechanical. You could work that out. Uncharacteristically, Margot rushed to stand behind Henry, almost hiding behind him. The soldier on the couch rose immediately, but the mage rose a bit slower. Ah, uh, excuse us. I think we're in the wrong office, Henry said, in what he considered a pathetic attempt to get out of the situation. He felt he felt Margot's hand on his shoulder, squeezing. Hmm. No, I think you found the right office, the mage said, waving at the soldier to relax. It's been too long, Margot. Who is this? Henry whispered to Margot behind him without moving his eyes away from the stranger. It's my brother, she said timidly. <laughs> Was that timid? I think so. Mother and father have been so disappointed in you, Philip Lafleur said, grinning. Ooh, this is exciting. They're in her brother's office, and it's a nice one. He's doing well for himself, am I right? All right, this is a drinking break, so we're going to have a drink. Mm -mm. You know what? We are flying through nine pages, but I'm going to need some more whiskey real real soon should i uh you know what let's take a little breather here and get some more whiskey you people won't even notice but it's probably gonna take me five minutes so adios for a moment people ah all right much better so let's keep cooking what we left with oh boy all right Aaron arrived at the other exit to the courtyard first when Stephen caught up with her she asked where does this door lead? A parlor behind the throne room, he said. Can you get us back to the tunnel from there, she asked. I think so. I, th <laughs> I think so, <laughs> he said, pulling the door open and glancing into the room. He stepped inside and Aaron followed. The room the pair found themselves in was long and narrow. Two doors opposite them presumably opened into the throne room. The doors to their left and right opened into unknown rooms. Oh my god, this is so freaking annoying. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, why would you think it didn't open to unknown rooms? Of course it opened into unknown rooms. The doors are closed. How would you? Ah, uh, this is so dumb. Okay, all right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, 
The wall... All right. The room itself was, again, what Aaron would expect from a regal household. The walls were painted in dark colors and featured gaudy gold trim throughout. Stephen hesitated, looking both ways. He chose the right and ran across the room. When Stephen opened the door, Aaron could see a mage outside instructing some soldiers. He looked at Aaron and Stephen in surprise. In surprise, not surprise, surprise, <laughs> just as Stephen swung the door shut. Turning the lock, Stephen called, Bring over that chair, pointing at a simple chair against the wall. Aaron grabbed the chair and ran to Stephen, who shoved the back under the now jiggling knob. Open up immediately, the man outside commanded. Both Aaron and Stephen sprinted across the room to the opposite door. Erin prayed to herself that this door would lead to freedom. Stephen opened the door and looked outside. Erin sighed in relief as he waved her through. He closed the door as he exited the room. We need to find Henry and Margot, Erin said. We don't stand a chance without them. I know, but how could we find them? Let's just try to get out of here, he said. Erin didn't like the answer, but she knew he was right. Oh, they're just going to abandon their friends. Wow, classy people. Mm. Sorry, I'm having sips as this winds up here. The pair jogged along the hallway, lined with countless paintings. Erin was lost. She had long since forgotten in what direction the enormous hallway with the tall windows had been. Oh, God damn it. The palace seemed to be the worst design building she had ever had the displeasure of visiting. (laughs) Ha ha, displeasure. (laughs) Okay. The pair made two turns only once seeing another person who, thankfully, was walking with her back to the pair. After a final turn in the narrow hallways, Erin skipped with glee. In front of her, she saw the tall windows facing out into the palace gardens. As Stephen stopped at the corner, she grabbed him around his waist from behind. "'How did you find this place?' she said. "'I guess she's excited because they're going to leave, maybe?' "'Shh!' he replied." We're nowhere close to the entrance to the basement. We'll have a long run down this hallway. He cautiously poked his head around the corner. Pulling back quickly, he cursed under his breath. What? Aaron asked. There's a whole slew of people in the hallway, he explained in a muted voice. I don't know how to do that, so a muted voice, whatever. Slew. Do people use that? A slew of people? And how do you spell that? I have it S-L-E-W, and I think that's right. I think that's okay. What are they doing in the hallway? Patrolling? No, they seem to just be standing around, like they're waiting for something. Erin looked desperately into what she could see of the great hall. All right, let me start again. Erin looked desperately into what she could see of the Great Hall from their hiding spot. Directly across from them, built into one of the giant windows, was a door leading outside. Stephen, let's just cross the hall and get outside. That can't be worse than where we are now, she suggested. He looked across at the door, then glanced back down the Great Hall. Good idea, he agreed. Let's just walk casually across, though. I don't want to draw any attention to us. Ah, yeah, you don't want to, like, sprint across. When there's a whole slew of people in the hallway. (laughs) Aaron nodded, and the two stepped into the great hall side by side. Glancing around, 
Erin could see a number of mages and other people just standing and waiting. She guessed that maybe they were asking them to assemble here so that the palace could be searched, but she wasn't sure. She tried her best to disguise her anxiety as they walked, as she walked, although the closest person in the waiting group would have difficulty seeing the details of her or Stephen at such a distance. Oh, it's a mouthful. Aaron noted that Stephen was exhibiting a tense gait as well. When they were only a few paces from the door, a call came out from a mage at the outskirts of the group. Hey, you two, we need to assemble here. We just need to step outside for some air, Aaron, or Stephen said without stopping. Aaron noted that almost nobody was taking an interest in this exchange. Wait, no, you need to wait here, the mage responded sternly. Uh, Stephen and Aaron arrived at the door and pulled it open. All right, just a moment. She's not feeling well, he said. Get back here, the mage commanded, now running toward them. Stephen slammed the door closed after they had stepped outside. Inside, Aaron heard more yells. All right, Aaron is outside too. <laughs> but inside, Aaron heard more yells inside would be the right way to write that. But I wrote inside. Comma, Aaron heard more yells and, comma, glancing back through the windows, now saw multiple people in pursuit. Okay, time to run again, she said, darting toward the river, away from their original destination. What des- what? Oh, uh, original destination was the door. Okay. Stephen followed suit, and they soon found themselves nearing the corner of the palace. Behind them, Aaron heard the door within the window Opened? The door within the window? When was there a door in the window? Okay, this is just, yeah. So I guess I was picturing, like, a door that was mounted. Because this hallway, remember, had, like, big, tall windows, like, two- or three-story windows. So maybe the door was built into the window, you know what I mean? But I didn't really make that clear. Yeah, I don't know. Let me see. That's a tough one. I think this is just... Okay. Let's keep going. Aaron turned the corner of the building first and stopped immediately. Stephen nearly collided with her as he rounded the the building. Okay. Aaron's heart sank as she stared at 40 soldiers sitting on the ground, jovial, jovial, jovially, jovially. How do you say that? Jovially. Is that a word? I don't know. I know jovial's a word. Can you make it into an adverb? I'm not sure. Jovially chatting in a small campground, complete with tents. Ooh. Aaron figured that they must have been deployed to the palace as a defensive measure. They all looked at the two strangers with confusion. Yells of their pursuers behind them grew louder. One older soldier pointed at Stephen. That's him! That's the guy! Aaron and Stephen stood frozen. Another soldier rose to his feet and started walking forward towards the pair. It really is him. Looking around, that's a quote, it really is him. Looking around the pair, looking around the pair, he drew a long sword. Not a long sword, a long space sword. I'm baffled by this writing right here. Looking around the pair, okay. Slowly, other soldiers other soldiers rose and began drawing arms. 
Listen, I think there's been some sort of mistake, Stephen said, putting his hands in front of him. <laughs> I don't think so, yet another soldier said with wide eyes. <laughs> Thinks was plural, of course. Just then, the mages in pursuit appeared behind Stephen and Aaron. Seize them at once, the mage who had originally challenged them commanded. The soldiers advanced on... Uh, Henry and Aaron. <laughs> he wrote the wrong person. Oh, Henry. This, it should be the soldiers advanced on Stephen and Aaron, not Henry. But here we are with some bad writing. Okay. To Aaron's shock, however, they continued past him towards the mage. The high-ranking soldier stood in front of the mage. Leave at once, he commanded. The prince does not answer to you. Aaron turned to Stephen. He avoided her eyes. Oh, and that is the end of chapter 18. Wow. So I had to take a break after that. That was so much excitement in one chapter, huh? Are you guys blown away or what? Surprise ending, right? So... In case you didn't follow, I think it was implying Stephen is some sort of prince. Oh, so the regular girl met a prince. What a lovely story. But uh, we'll have to see how this pans out. Apparently the soldiers are on Stephen's side because they recognize him from coins. <laughs> I don't think I look enough like my father to be identified as his son so easily. <laughs> Especially if he wasn't around, but his face was just on a coin. I'm thinking, no, no, nobody would say, oh, yeah, that's that's him. Yeah, that's him. I don't think it's going to happen. But pretty, pretty exciting chapter. Um, pretty big mistake as we closed out the chapter, having Aaron and Henry in that paragraph. That was bad. I can't believe that happened. And how did you like thinks pluralized twice in this chapter, I believe? I thinks. Oh, God. So bad. So bad. So bad. Um, yeah, but our, our crew got split up a little bit. Uh, I think they'll get back together soon if uh, Henry and Margot can get out of their current predicament, right? So we get to meet Margot's brother in the context of our main characters for the first time. So that's pretty exciting, I suppose. I, I mean, he was introduced chapters prior. I don't know how long ago. That was ages ago. But, yeah, now we get to be in his office. And we'll have to learn more about it. Uh, Margot clearly is a little afraid of him, hiding behind Henry. That's a little weird. Especially because Margot, we haven't known her to be timid in any way whatsoever. So, we'll have to see how this pans out. Very exciting chapter. A little bit maybe too much running around. Uh... Some of the descriptions, like, wow, at the very end where it was said the mage who had originally challenged them back in the... Oh, god damn it. Like, what was that sentence? It was so bad. Seize them at once, the mage who originally challenged them commanded. Like, do we really need that much detail into, like, who this mage was? He's another unnamed character, which plays into our discussion questions. So why don't we dive on in... To those. All right, first question. All right, so 
Stephen and Aaron happen upon the, what, dark, the dark half of the balancing stone or whatever, right? In that gazebo in the middle of a stinky courtyard. Okay, who else thinks it's weird that it's completely unguarded? It's just sitting in that courtyard. Or did somebody assume the stink would be that bad that nobody would go near it? My theory is that this whole plot is so weak that this stupid rock really just doesn't matter that much. (laughs) Why guard it? Who gives a crap, huh? That whole scene was kind of weird, too, with, like, tubes and stuff going into that. What did they even make tubes of back then? Uh, I guess, like, I mean, they had rubber, right? I mean, there was a such a, there is, like, natural rubber. I suppose they could use that. I don't know. Uh, That was a little, uh, a little weak. Still no explanation for the slime and stuff, but nobody guarding it. So I'm going to go ahead and say, guess what? It's not that important, right? Yeah, they found it. They plugged it into their hose machine. They're like, eh, this doesn't really do anything. Lame. All right, question two. When uh, Stephen and Aaron are running out of the palace, remember they go across that hall while they're being told, like, don't go outside, and he said that she's sick, blah, blah, blah. And then they go out the door. Do the doors have panic bars? I'm going to guess that they do. Based on all those uh, well-labeled doors in the temple, they're probably following all those, you know, accessibility guidelines. you got to have, that's fire code, right? They have panic bars. So I'm going to say they had a panic bar. Just clang that thing open. Yeah. Medieval style panic bars, right? All right. Question three. Okay. A lot of fighting in this uh, chapter, right? Margot and Henry were up to no good. Stephen and Aaron were on the run from guards. Super exciting, but I think everybody really wants to know, right? Where's Frederick? Huh? He did not make an appearance in this chapter, and this would have been a good chapter for him to be in. Hopefully, and we are getting real close to the end, right? We have 19, 20, 21, 22, and an epilogue to go through. Hopefully we see Frederick again, but the fact that he wasn't in this chapter, a little upsetting. I really thought he'd make an appearance just being our, what, only maybe one of two named bad guys. We'll say Margot's brother's a bad guy because she clearly doesn't like him. I think that's fair, don't you? Yeah. But uh, being one of only two bad guys, you'd think they'd be in this big bad guy fight scene. But they're not. They're not. So where is Frederick right now? You know, he did get thrown up in the air, what, in book time, like three days ago? Maybe he's still nursing some wounds, right? They're trying to get him to come to work, but he took a sick day, is my guess. Uh, Anyway, uh, that was a pretty exciting episode, I think. Chapter 18, not too shabby. Uh... Chapter 19's coming next week. I don't know how long it is or what it's about. We're going to find out together. But uh, I think we found some... I mean, this was a pretty exciting episode. If you're listening to this as your first episode, boy, you hit a spoiler. A big stinker of a spoiler. So, uh, sorry about that. But listen to the remaining episodes. And if you do listen to the remaining episodes, remember you can contact me if you head over to jeffreadshisbook.com. And right there, we get some contact info. You can email me at jba at sdf.org. Or you can toot at me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or I'm always on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. And I post this on Reddit. Uh, if you send me a Reddit message, I suppose I'll get it. It's uh, Printstar on Reddit. 
So that's pretty exciting. I don't have that listed on the uh, on the contact information because I don't care. Anyway, uh, but please do contact me, even if it is just to say that, you know, why has the podcast been late the last few weeks or good Lord, you're loud sometimes. Can you get the mic further from your uh, mouth? Uh, I don't care. Whatever you have to say, I do love discussion question uh, answers though. So write in with those. It's a lot of fun. I like reading them out loud. So far, I only read my wife's. So uh, until next time, guys, you know what I say. Keep on reading. <laughs>